Welcome to the Alpine Psalmist Podcast. I'm your host, Torre, and I want to continue our discussion concerning the prophetic importance of the nation of Israel. And today I want to ask a specific question that I hope to answer and that many of you have wondered. Why is there so much hostility and hatred towards the people of Israel and the existence of the nation-state of Israel? In order to understand this question, we must look at the beginning of scriptures in the book of Genesis and look towards our first parents, Adam and Eve. Most of you know this story already, and I don't have to explain it to you, but we all know that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and that they were deceived by the serpent who was embodied by Satan. And the Lord declares to Satan in Genesis 3.15 the following, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This, my friends, is one of the, well, this is the first messianic prophecy in the Bible concerning the coming of the Messiah. It is known as the Proto-Evangelium. It is the first pronouncement of the gospel message to all of humanity. And so think about this. The devil and his wicked angels are intelligent beings. They have an extensive knowledge of the universe and of creation. They were there when the foundations of creation were laid. And so when the Lord makes this pronouncement in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman, Eve, would crush the head of Satan, Satan understood that God was going to defeat and destroy him for eternity. And so because evil is intelligent, don't you think that Satan would want to prevent this prophecy from taking place? Yes, he would. He will do anything in his means to stop the prophetic pronouncement of Genesis 3.15. And so we see that this war, this Spiritual warfare, both in the unseen realm and in the seen realm, has been taking place for thousands of years since the book of Genesis. And Satan has been at war with the seed of the woman. And so we see in Genesis 3.15, shortly after, that God continued to effectuate his plan through Abraham. God made certain promises to Abraham that all of the people of the earth shall be blessed through him and his descendants. And so God rose up Abraham and his son Isaac and Jacob in order to birth the nation of Israel. And it was through the nation of Israel that these scriptures were revealed and that the Messiah would eventually be born. This is one of the reasons why Israel was specially set apart by God in order to fulfill Genesis 3.15. I love this particular passage in Numbers 24.17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob, A scepter shall rise from Israel and shall crush 
through the forehead of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheph. See, God promised to Israel that the Messiah would be born through its nation. God also promised in 2 Samuel 7, 12-13 that King David, one of his descendants, would eventually establish the eternal kingdom. This is why the Messiah was to come through the tribe of Judah and the house of David. God also gave certain physical promises to Israel and blessings in connection to the land which will eventually stretch all the way to the Euphrates River. This is seen in Genesis 15 verse 18 through 91. And let me be clear, those physical promises regarding the land have not been completely fulfilled yet, but they will be fulfilled during the final messianic kingdom known as the millennial reign of the Messiah that will last for a thousand years. So let me ask you this question again. Do you think that Satan and his evil ones are happy that the people of Israel were in and taking possession of the promised land? Of course not. This is why when we see the Exodus account happen, when the, is the Hebrew people leave Egypt after 400 years of slavery, they begin to enter the land of Canaan. And what do we see in Numbers chapter 13? In Numbers chapter 13, we see that the spies report that there are the sons of Anak in the land. Who are the sons of Anak? They are otherwise known as the Anakim or the descendants of the Nephilim. Now, if you haven't had a chance to study this before, I highly recommend you look into it. But the Nephilim are first mentioned in the book of Genesis and they are the byproduct, they are the supernatural byproduct of fallen angels mating with human women. This produced a monstrous giant offspring known as the Nephilim. And we see in the first half of Genesis that the earth was destroyed partially because God was trying to destroy the Nephilim that had corrupted the earth. But we see again in Numbers chapter 13 that there is a second incursion of these Nephilim in the land of Canaan. There is strong scriptural evidence to show that these Nephilim or sons of Anakim were strategically placed in Canaan in order to prevent the Israelites from taking possession of the land. You know, this is a very uncomfortable truth for a lot of teachers and preachers and pastors, and oftentimes they ignore Numbers chapter 13 and they ignore Genesis chapter 6. And the reason why is because in our modern day and age, many theologians have attempted to de-supernaturalize the Bible. They've attempt, they have attempted to make everything seem symbolic or allegorical. And let's just be real, it's uncomfortable, the idea that angelic beings who were evil planted their own seed on the planet on two separate occasions. And so that's why a lot of pastors ignore this passage. But my friends, it's extremely important for us to teach the whole counsel of God. And when we fail to explain the giants in Genesis 6 and in Numbers 13, we're doing ourselves a disfavor. And we're also doing a disservice to those who are listening to us. 
because it's really hard to understand the entire biblical narrative and why God commanded certain things without understanding the fallen angels attempting to destroy God's plan and purposes for his people. And so once we understand that there were Nephilim in the land when the Israelites came into the land of Canaan, we can now understand why God commanded the Israelites to wipe out all the inhabitants because many of them were in fact not human. They were a plant by the enemy and his fallen angels. They were giants. And so we see in Numbers 13 that Satan, in his attempt to prevent the prophecy from Genesis 3.15 from taking place, he attempted to abort the nation of Israel before they even set foot in the promised land and discourage them. Well, eventually the Israelites repossess the land, and we also see that David finishes off the last of the giants, and in fact, um, there is strong evidence to show that in the Bible to show that Goliath was indeed um, possibly a descendant of the Anakim. And so the whole entire story of the Tanakh, otherwise known as the Old Testament, is the story of not just a story, but is the historical account of God's dealings with the nation of Israel and the attempt by the enemy and the forces of darkness to prevent the nation of Israel from fulfilling the promises that God had given it. This is why throughout history, various nations and kingdoms have come against the people of Israel, whether it be the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Persians, the Roman Empire itself, different uh, organizations, different kingdoms, they've come against Israel. And oftentimes there is a spiritual force that is operating behind these physical kingdoms that have come against the nation. This is why when the Messiah finally comes, we see that Herod attempts to murder baby Jesus. What does he do? He has every single young baby boy murdered in Bethlehem because he was so afraid of this coming king that was just a baby. But see, Herod was not only jealous, he was being used as an agent of the devil to abort the Messiah before he can come into full adulthood. But Jesus fled, Jesus fled with his family to Egypt as a young child. So we see that Satan uses people, kingdoms, different organizations to try to attempt to destroy God's purposes and plans. And obviously he failed because Jesus eventually grew into a grown man, right? And I love this passage in Luke chapter 131 to 33. It says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. This is a direct fulfillment of what we were talking about earlier in Genesis 3.15, where the Lord promised Eve, that her offspring will crush the head of the serpent. This was to take its full 
effect in the birth of Jesus as our Messiah. Well, we see that the devil, thinking that he's smart and all-knowing, had Jesus, he used people to put Jesus on the cross. And I don't think that the enemy fully understood when he had Jesus crucified what he was doing. And I say this because in 1 Corinthians 2.7, it says that none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, here's the thing about Satan that's really interesting. He he doesn't, he, even though he's intelligent, even though he under, even though he knows the Bible, he cannot see the future. And he's always attempting to thwart God's plan, but God sees everything. And so when Satan was coming after Jesus and when Jesus was on the cross, I don't think Satan understood that Jesus was dying for the sins of the entire world. And that ultimately his death, burial, and resurrection would be the basis for our salvation and would save us from the grips of hell. And this is why in 1 Corinthians it says that none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known, they would not have crucified him. So we see that the prophecy in Genesis 3.15 was ultimately fulfilled through the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so during this entire time, Satan is trying to prevent the birth of the Messiah, and he's coming against the nation of Israel because he was coming against the agent through which the Messiah would be born. And so he had a special hatred for Israel and its people. So where does that leave us today? Well, we know that in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed and that the Jews were completely scattered. We also know that for 2,000 years, the nation-state of Israel essentially ceased to exist. In 1948, the nation was reestablished again. And do you think that the enemy was happy that the nation of Israel was reborn in 1948? I don't think so. And the reason why is because the enemy understands that in order for the 70th week of Daniel to take place and the millennial reign of Christ to occur, there must be a nation state of Israel existing again. The, the enemy also understands that there were certain physical promises and blessings that God promised to Israel specifically that will have its ultimate fulfillment during the 70th week of Daniel and during the millennial reign of Christ. Satan also understands that the Messiah himself, Jesus, Yeshua, will rule and reign from Jerusalem. So when Satan hears and sees with his own eyes that the nation of Israel was reborn in 1948, he wanted to do everything he could to destroy it. That is why, as soon as the nation of Israel was reborn, we see that its neighbors immediately attack it and try to wipe it out. We also see in the subsequent 1967 war and in the 1973 Yom Kippur War, the nations surrounding Israel again attempt to wipe it out. I believe that these were demonically inspired attacks against the nation of Israel in order to completely wipe it off the map 
and make God seem like a liar. These were attempts by Satan using various nations and kingdoms to discredit God and prevent his plan from moving forward. We have to understand that Satan knows that his time is short now that the nation of Israel is reestablished. He knows that it is the barometer or time clock for end time events. And so, as I look at this current conflict that's taking place in the Middle East, I'll say this. The nation of Israel is not perfect. Uh, The political leadership of Israel is not perfect, just like any nation. They're not, you know, my nation's not perfect. No nation is perfect. And so we've got to be careful in thinking that everything the Israeli government does is perfect. It's not. They're only human. But that doesn't change the fact that God gave Israel certain promises regarding the land and that they have to be completely fulfilled at some point in history. And so when I hear the statement, and I'm seeing this a lot online, and I'm seeing it through social media, and, and many celebrities are even chanting the statement, and they don't even know what it means, but during this current conflict, I've seen a lot of people repost, from the river to the sea, from the river to the sea, from the river to the sea. Do you know where that statement comes from? I would highly recommend you not repost that statement. From the river to the sea means from the Mediterranean to the Jordan River. That statement was born out of an intense hatred and anger towards Israel and at its and, and its conception. And those who invented that statement originally wanted to see the complete destruction of Israel and its people in the land. And so let me ask you a question. Knowing that and knowing what all I have shared you with you during this entire podcast, where do you think that statement from the river to the sea came from? It wasn't just human inspired. It was it has a deeply evil intention behind it that starts with Satan because he hates the nation of Israel and he hates the fact that scriptures were revealed to the nation of Israel. He hates the fact that the Messiah came through the lineage of the people of Israel. He hates the fact that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through Abraham and his descendants. And he hates the fact that the Messiah will one day rule and reign from Jerusalem. My friends, we are living in a time of increased deception and falsehoods. And so don't jump on any bandwagons, but pray. Pray that God will give you discernment in what is the truth and what is an error. And so I would recommend just studying this topic for yourself. Uh, don't jump on any bandwagons. You know, Be careful uh, what you take in from not only social media, but from television and other people. Because there's a lot of deception right now. And I believe that deception will increase as we approach the 70th week of Daniel, otherwise known as the seven-year tribulation period. And so, is this current war going to turn into something bigger? I don't know. I have no clue. I think, it to me, it does feel significant. I don't know if this is a, a prophetic war or not. But I do know that God loves not only the Israelis, but he loves the Palestinian people. He loves all people. And he wants all people to come into a relationship with him and know him as 
Savior and repent and put their trust completely in him. And so I mourn for all the lives that are lost. And we have to understand, though, that at the end of the day, much of the hatred that is directed towards the nation of Israel and the people of Israel is rooted in the satanic hatred that began all the way back in the book of Genesis when God declared that I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he, who is the Messiah, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. But there are still other prophecies to come. Jesus came the first time, but he is going to come a second time and he's going to finish what he started. And so we got to pray. We got to ask God for discernment. And we can't fall from every doctrine and every uh, emotional uh, new trend that comes online. And let me end with this verse. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Isaiah 9, 6-7 Jesus is coming again and he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. And he will be a blessing not only to the people of Israel, but to all peoples of the earth. I hope that this podcast was helpful to you today. I hey, I appreciate all comments on iTunes, Apple iTunes. It really helps me out. I would love to hear what you think of this topic. And if you have uh, something that you feel like you disagree with or just want to ask me a question, feel free to reach out to me. This is the Alpine Psalmist. Keep looking up and God bless.